Hello, my name is Lucy Ripova, and I'm the founder and host of Think with Lucy. I started this podcast to discuss interesting topics with people who have different viewpoints. Why? In the age of social media, our news feeds are creating echo chambers that confirm our bias, making us less tolerant of other opinions. And this increases social and political polarization and leads to extremism. Seeing different perspectives helps you to understand things in a different light and helps us come together. It strengthens the democratic foundations of our country. Let's highlight the gray area that is often overlooked. Let's show nuance. Let's think. Today, I will be participating in a discussion with my friend, Mariana Kahlo. The question we will be discussing is, is wealth a better predictor of success than intelligence and grit? Uh, me and Mariana have been friends for over six years now, and we have discussed this topic a few times because, you know, we, we share different opinions on it. And so I thought it would be good to bring this conversation to you guys and allow you to think about your own journey and, and your own success. Hey, Mariana, how are you? Hi, good morning. I'm good. How are you? Good. So can you introduce yourself to, to the audience? Sure. I'm Mariana Calò. I'm originally from Italy. I've been living in the UK for the past eight years. I moved here when I was 15. Uh, my parents sent me to boarding school uh, somewhere near Oxford. And then I decided to stay here to do my university studies in London. So you were privately educated? Yes. It and you come from a well-off family from Italy? Yeah. And uh, I've started working a year ago. I'm currently a consultant and in the future I would like to have something on my own. It's something that I'm considering and I'm working on on the side right now. So let's see where, what the future holds for, for me. Exciting. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I guess you guys know me, uh, but I come from the Czech Republic, from Prague, and I I grew up in a sort of low, low to middle class um, background, and uh, and uh, my family is, is quite poor. <laughs> I went through a public education system in the Czech Republic, and then I moved to London for university, and that's how we met. So we can both agree that all individuals, regardless of where they come from or who their parents are, should have the opportunity to reach their full potential, right? Uh, but that's not the case right now. Equal access to opportunity is non-existent in this current system, and that should be changed. But but let's talk about our childhoods and, and compare the childhoods of someone who came comes from a well-off family and someone who came from from a poor family what how would you describe your childhood uh, do you think your parents sort of employed this helicopter parenting style did they care a lot about you know how you were studying what grades you had w was there a lot of expectations in terms of uh, what they wanted to do with your life yes indeed um especially from my mom my mom has been quite tough uh, on me, even though she's super sweet, but she always wanted to give me the best education so that I can have the best career opportunities and have a good life in the future, which I understand. But the pressure was very high to deliver, as also at school when I was younger, she would get a bit mad if I didn't get the grades that she was expecting me to get. So. It was quite challenging and this is something that also I feel my friends faced as well, in particular for guys, because for girls, if you come from a rich family, I feel like the pressure is slightly 
lower than if you're a guy because I'm not generalizing, but most of the times that's unfortunately how it is. They, is it because f- girls fa- are expected to get married exactly, and, and be at exa- home? Exactly. I was going to say that or they can do like some sort of part-time job or follow their passion because eventually they'll meet someone that takes care of them. So it's still like that. I feel like in Italy we are a bit behind and the mentality is still there compared to London where it's a bit more open. So yeah, I grew up with... Sur- surrounded by this sort of uh, of mentality and which I don't think it's gonna change anytime soon I at least in my country yeah, yeah. I, I also have a few friends like that and I think it's such a shame because these girls go through such a rigorous educational system right they're privately educated they go to university they earn their degrees you know sometimes they go through like medical school and law school But unfortunately, you know, right after their school, they get married and and it's the expectation that they're not going to pursue their careers, but they're going to stay at home and take care of the kids forever. I mean, I agree up to a certain point because, for example, I know a friend of mine that she was at boarding school uh, with me and my friends and she was the only one that decided to move back to Italy to do university there because of her back then boyfriend who is actually going to marry Uh, soon and she basically decided to prioritize her private life over career or studying and she's happy with that but it's a bit like putting all the eggs in one basket you don't know what's going to happen in the future so yeah but I think many many of the girls are like that in in Italy especially I feel in, in the north in Milan Did your parents expect you to pursue a certain career path or were you free to choose? Well, coming from a family where we have family business, initially the expectation was that I would take over the family business and study pharmacy as everyone else did to be able to do that. And also because I'm the oldest in the family, all my cousins are girls and are young ladies. But when it When I moved to the UK, I kind of changed path. And for my dad, especially, it was a bit of a shock, even though now he's okay with that. But also for the people uh, that knew my family, uh, since I come from a small town, they were they were telling my family that it was a crazy idea. Why would I do that if I have a job secured? So... Um, Yeah, the expectations were there and I think now it has slightly changed because my parents realized that I'm actually into other stuff, but still it's quite difficult um, to have a conversation with my dad regarding like startup because he's more like a traditional kind of person that he would be like, oh, you should work in finance or consulting because you're going to have an amazing life and... We invested uh, in your education, so you should really push and find maybe happiness and um, through that job. But this is a bit like what everybody thinks. But at the end, the question is, are you really happy to do like finance job or consulting job or any other high pressure, high paid jobs? Mm-hmm. But that's not the case for a lot of uh, kids from wealthy backgrounds. I 
no cases where you know uh, boys at a young age are pressured to take private tutoring and and perform you know have have perfect SAT scores and there's so much pressure on them to perform that they completely reject everything revolt and and you know start doing drugs or alcohol and and completely leave the family because of this pressure put on them so i think there needs to be balance in terms of yeah you have to perform at school you know find your passion but also you know you can't force the kids to do something they don't want to do but but looking at sort of childhood of you know kids that grew up in poor families i think that's the opposite a lot of the times you know reflecting on my own childhood i i have some negative experience with my family my parents got divorced at a very young age i went through some kind of abuse and uh and so but when i think about it i think that's what made me who i am now and it's also part of the reason why i didn't stay in the czech republic why i you know, became really ambitious and, and moved abroad. And I think a lot of kids that come from, from these sort of unstable family environments then become really ambitious and really driven and, uh, you know, motivated by, you know, not just making a lot of money, but also making a positive impact and then helping, you know, other kids who are also in, in an unstable situation. So I think that's something we have to consider. And if you look at, you know, uh, some of the famous entrepreneurs in the world, you know, Elon Musk, uh, he didn't grow up in a, in a perfect family. His parents were divorced. His father was abusing him. Uh, he moved, uh, you know, to Canada when he was 17. You know, same with Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs was adopted. You know, Larry Allison also, you know, grew up in an unstable environment. So, so I think there's something about it that makes you really stronger and makes you grow up faster than than if you were growing up in a family that was providing you with everything you needed, that was fulfilling all your needs, you know, emotionally, but also financially. That's true. But at the same time, I feel like networking plays an important role or where you hang out so for example if you go to a certain school or certain university you kind of live in a bubble and you end up hanging out with the same people that might eventually become or end up working at a top top tier firm and that's because of the access the education that they received so I, f I understand your point but at the same time I feel like knowing the right people can help you succeed as well it's not as genuine or as organic or as ambitious as the path that that you mentioned before but I do still think that where you get educated, where the, the people that you spend time with also outside work or, or university, so in your social life, in your so social circle, are quite important that can help you get where you want to get to. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a good point. But I, I think it depends on which industry you're trying to get into. If you're in the traditional industries like finance, banking, or law, network is really important. That, that like success is determined by the people you know. I think it's less based on meritocracy and hard work and more based on the circles that you're in, the people that you know, you know, the deals you close with the people that you know. And so that's the case. But but if you compare it to, for example, startups or even art industries, I think network matters less 
than than in traditional industries. I think in startups, you know, kids who are starting out companies have usually no network. You know, they start with their friend in their garage. They make a great product or or service, and then they find angel investors. It's much harder for them. But I think, uh, you know, the fact that they don't have the network makes them work much harder to build a great product that will uh, attract uh, sufficient funding for them to continue. But I get your point, yeah. But I think if you have, if you know the right people and you have the right connections, I think it's going to be easier to get access to capital because you're kind of fast-tracked. So your point is valid, but at the same time, as I said earlier, the connections are key. Yeah, it's definitely easier to get capital. Um, you know, if if you're a, a startup founder coming from a wealthy family or with connections, but I think on the other hand, there is so much pressure for you to perform that, you know, it, it may get really overwhelming. And a, a lot of, you know, startup founders that come from wealthy families actually quit, um, you know, in the first year. Because I think what they're lacking is the perseverance, the grit that I was talking about. You know, it they always have the safety net that they can fall into if their startup fails, which is their family, right? They can always go back to their comfortable life. But uh, if you're a poor kid, there's no safety net. You just have to make it. There's no option for you to, to fail. And so you just keep going and keep trying. I think the motivations are really really different when you compare those two backgrounds. So so I think when it comes to startups, you know, kids from disadvantaged backgrounds definitely have higher chances of making it than 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 wealthy wealthy startup founders in the long term. Uh, but but going back to sort of schooling, you know, I wanted to mention that, you know, uh, poor kids families sort of have no expectations of their kids. They they, you know, in, like in my case, for example, my parents didn't care what I was doing. Uh, they didn't care about my grades. They, you know, they didn't care if I was even gonna go to university. It wasn't expected of me. And, uh, but, but that's like the more it made me work harder, the more they sort of didn't believe in me, didn't have any expectations. I really wanted to prove myself and, and, and prove that I can do it. And, um, you know, I, I just want to say that I think, you know, children born into rich families actually are more likely to to lose their wealth uh, or some of the wealth that they inherit because they don't understand the value of money. They've always had all these, you know, black Amex credit cards, uh, unlimited budgets, all these vacations and, and, you know, Louis Vuitton bags that it's extremely difficult for them to understand how other people live and get a different perspective you know, whereas poor kids, they grow up with nothing. And so they they grow up budgeting and, and saving money. And then when they have something, they understand that they have to, you know, uh, make sure that they don't lose it all. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. I know a few, maybe more than a few um, friends of mine um, from university or abroad um, or also Italians that are not very ambitious 
They're just doing a job for the sake of it. Some people even move to London just because they say, oh, London is cool and all my friends are here, but they don't move to London because of the career opportunities, for example. And this is especially the case if you are a girl. So I know a couple of of people, a couple of friends of friends that they wanted to, to work in fashion and, you know, Milan is the capital fashion, so you could get to work at an amazing luxury fashion um, house. But in the end, they decided to move here uh, because a guy that they liked uh, was and is living here. And they basically found a random job. It's kind of a placeholder, which, might, which is not going to be the job that makes them happy, but... It's because the priorities are different. Mm-hmm. And, and that comes back, you know, to, to the expectations of the family. Exactly. This comes back to the expectations. I think if you're a girl, um, the expectations are, are lower. But if you're a guy, especially if you come from a privileged family, the pressure is insane because you don't have many options. All my, all my friends uh, end up working in, in finance or a couple in consulting, but they all do the same thing. There is no variety and this is the expectation, but the, some of them don't even like the job because of the long hours or because maybe it's not their dream, but they still stick to it because, because of the pressure from the family and also because of the peer pressure. Because if you kind of live in your bubble, you feel the pressure for your friends because everyone is working in finance and it's cool to be a finance guy. So if you as a guy decided to kind of downgrade, that would be a shame uh, for, for the family, a shock for the family, of course, and also for the friends and maybe they don't accept you um, anymore or they wouldn't go out any more as much as before because you have different lifestyles. Would you say that these guys who work in those investment banks have lower risk tolerance? They're less likely to quit, uh, you know, this, um, you know, great investment banking job, prestigious position to, for example, pursue their passion and start a business? Thinking about my friends, I think, yeah, I think so because... For them, it's it's comfort zone. It's it's good money. It's they're gonna have a good life because of the money, and they think well, I'm gonna have a girl that is pretty, looks after me. I can take care of her, and uh, voila, life is sorted. So yeah. So they're also expected to take care of the girl financially, right? Most of the time, yes. Yeah, at least in Italy, it's it's a bit like this yeah mm-hmm. in London less but yeah 100 percent mm-hmm. I just want to pause for a moment and and mention some statistics that I researched that I think uh, you guys may find interesting so um, these statistics come from from uh, United States so a child from the bottom quartile of socioeconomic status who has high te- test scores in in kindergarten has only a 3 in 10 chance of having a college education. So poor kids that are really smart and are performing really well in kindergarten have only 3 in 10 chance of having a college education. That is scary. And a good entry-level job as a young adult. Compared to 7 in 10 chance for 
a wealthy child who has low test scores in kindergarten. So if you're wealthy and you're not that smart or not trying that hard in kindergarten, you have 7 in 10 chance of completing a college education and having a good entry-level job. Across racial and ethnic groups, the top half math scores in high school increase the odds that a student from an economically disadvantaged family will earn a good entry-level job as a young adult. So the lesson learned is here that kids who are from disadvantaged backgrounds should be focusing on maths and sciences because those are the jobs that really, you know, provide financial stability. And, and uh, you know, those are the jobs in, in supply on the market right now. Math, sciences, you know, engineering, it's super important. And, and as I said, you know, most wealthy kids don't go into those industries. Most wealthy kids go into finance or banking, you know, law. And so there's this opportunity for poor kids to really pursue sciences and, and uh, get a good engineering job, for example, you know, after their education. And so it is true that access to opportunity differs based on class, uh, based on socioeconomic status, but also based on race and ethnicity. The system conspires against young people from poor families, but especially those who are black or Latino. The statistics are that white and Asian 10th graders are more likely than their black or Latino peers to complete a college degree, no matter their scores in school which is, again, shows that equal access to opportunity is non-existent. Now, if we look at college statistics, students from families, from poor families, are less likely than their, uh, you know, wealthy peers to earn a college degree by their mid-20s, even when their test scores suggest that they're equally prepared. So even if you have the same test scores across socioeconomic status, poor kids are still less likely to earn a college degree. And the stats are that 75% of wealthy children completed a college degree compared to only 16% of poor kids. That's a huge difference. And when it comes to enrollment, 95% of wealthy children enrolled in college versus 56% of poor kids. And what, what does it imply is that the dropout rate of poor kids is much higher than that of wealthy kids, right? And we can only speculate why that is. You know, maybe... They need to work. They can't really afford college, right? Even if they get a loan, they still have to make money to pay their rent and to pay for their food. And maybe it's too much. Maybe they have to take care of their family. Maybe they, you know, have a child on their own and they, they have no one else to take care of, of that child. And so I don't think that the dropout rate of those kids is because of poor performance or disinterest in education. I think it's, it's again, they don't have the resources to you know, afford to stay in higher education. What do you think, Mariana? I think, unfortunately, this is true. And looking at, looking back at my background and also where I am right now, at my company, they would only look for people coming from top tier universities, which is a shame because there are so many kids that might be smart, but unfortunately couldn't afford private education or um, do masters at top UK or US universities and they they are not even involved in the in the recruitment process because of that but at the same time I think that personally I wouldn't be where I am right now I wouldn't get this job without my 
my education. So for example, my master's and now I got to that master's because of my, my bachelor's, but more than ever because of my education at, uh, at the boarding school where I did this, um, international baccalaureate program, which opens the doors to kind of everything. They say, if you do this, you can, you can do everything. You have so much choice. So again, I think education, um, where you study, uh, is a key factor that determines as well your, your success or the opportunities to get to that success that to reach the point that you might want to reach in the future. So having access to having financial, um, how to say, having the money, having the opportunity to, to afford to pay high school fees can, can determine where you will be in maybe five years, 10 years or yeah. Who knows? And you mentioned something interesting, which is, you know, the, the brand or label of university matters. If you look at, for example, the hiring methods of, of investment banks, um, you realize that the first stage is always screening of your CV that's done by algorithms, right? And the algorithms are set to eliminate any CVs that do not have like the top, I don't know, like, 50 universities or 100 universities globally, right? So if you don't come from one of those universities, you get automatically eliminated, regardless of whatever else is on your CV, which is hugely unfair. And it doesn't even make sense. You know, for a lot of, a lot of those jobs, you wouldn't even need a college degree. It's not, it's not like, you know, you can't be formatting presentations or filling uh, Excel spreadsheets if you don't have a degree in finance. That's not the case. But but these banks really require it. And so the importance of brand and label is there. And um, and I think, you know, another thing that really matters is language. Uh, a lot of uh, investment banks hire people who have a second language, you know, on top of English, language that they can actually use in their job. So if you're, for example, German or French or Italian or Spanish, you have much higher chances of getting to the interview stage than if you come from, for example, Eastern Europe, a country that has a language that's not really used in, in you know, in a lot of, a lot of those banks, you know, they don't have a lot of clients from that country and so on. Yeah, that's true. Unfortunately, even myself, when I was doing the CV screening for new joiners at my company, me and also other colleagues of mine that studied at the same university as me were a bit biased. And by just looking at the name of the university, we're like, okay, let's, let's move this person to the next stage because if they made it to this university to this stage it means that they're good so there is or that they're wealthy yeah I guess I guess that's very much um related to that and also what I've noticed is that people that come from privileged families especially if you are an entry-level a person that is looking for an entry-level job they tend to have more internships up op- 
uh, on their CVs than, than others, even after the first year of university, which is crazy because, for example, in Italy, they don't really offer internships before you graduate. But then you look at those CVs and you find internship for internships for one month, for two months that don't even exist. And this is like, these internships don't even happen, but because of the connections or because the the parent works at that company and knows a person working at that company, they would just ask for the favor to to say, hey, uh, can can my daughter or my 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 son uh, write that he or she did the internship here. And they, of course, then end up getting into a top-tier university because they might be looking for work experience, which they don't have, but nobody knows. And it's the same thing when you, when you look for a job, I think especially in finance and consulting, that's the case. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with you on that one. And I actually have a, a few friends from university who got internships without ever interviewing, investment banking internships, just because their parents were clients of the bank, right? This is this unwritten rule uh, that if, you know, if your parent is, uh, is, an, is an important client, your kid automatically gets the internship, which is crazy. Yeah, <laughs> and, crazy uh, but true. Yeah, and and so so this kid, this this guy that I knew, he got the internship. He wasn't working hard at all. He thought that you know my father is whoever. I'm definitely gonna get the full time job after the internship. So he wasn't working hard. He was just drinking the whole internship, and it turned out he didn't get the offer. Whereas my other friend, who really worked his ass off to get the internship, you know, he he stayed in the office until four a.m. every single day. He was working hard you know, trying to network, make connections, and he got the offer. So I think what it implies is uh, network or connections gets your foot in the door. It gets you the opportunity, but then it's up to you to really perform and show that you can do it. Yeah, uh, I fully agree with you. Um, I think at the end, especially those people that come from privileged families, and they have the opportunity to get to work at the top firm, they might waste the opportunity because they don't really know what it means, how to get there, how hard it is. So they just take things uh, from for granted. For granted, exactly. So it's it's true, it's valid. And I think especially I've not I've been noticing this, especially here in London than back home in Italy mm, because in Italy people from good families are those people that have something on their own so family business so their parents might place their kids um, as marketing people or shadowing someone just as a placeholder whereas here because it's so competitive uh yes you can you can get to the top bank but if you end up staying there uh it depends on how much effort you put and how good you are so i think at this stage of this phase which is more like a later late stage people that are ambitious which many times is the case for people that come from nothing or have little tend to 
outperform those that come from privileged families because they might they might not care that much and they might say, oh, I, I'm, I'm 20, I'm 25, I want to enjoy my life because when I'm going to be 30, 35, I'm going to be married. So I just want to have fun. Yeah. So the priorities are different and these people might end up focusing more on partying or going to cool events, whereas those that have to step up all the way on their own, they might put their social life or the cool events on the side uh, and they prioritize those. Um. Yeah, also, if you're sort of a kid from a wealthy background, I think you're not expected to work in those banking firms or law firms forever. I think that's a starting point in your life where you get the experience, get the network, the connections, you know, um, fill, fill your CV with something. But eventually, I think you will be expected to go to your family business, whatever it is. So, you know, why would I try hard, right? I'm 20, 21, 22, gra- recent graduate, and I know that I'm not going to stay in this job forever. I just want to have fun. I have all the resources to have the fun that I, you know, that I want to have. So, so why not? Whereas I think if you look at, you know, the importance of brand label in, in, in startups, for example, or, or in, in the arts industry, I think it doesn't matter really that much. In startups, people often focus on the problems that you're solving. You know, have you built anything in your life? Have you solved a problem? Have you, you know, like what have you, have you faced any challenges in your life? How did you deal with those challenges? I think those are the questions that you're more likely to encounter if you're interviewing for a job in a startup um, than elsewhere and in the arts industry. I mean, if I look at the most famous singers or actors, I don't think any of them come come from wealthy backgrounds. I think most of them actually, you know, come from disadvantaged families and and uh, and were pretty lost in, in their early years. And, uh, you know, some of them succumbed to drugs um, and alcohol even in their 20s and, and, and died. Um, so... So I think, yeah, it's it's definitely a different culture in those industries. That's true. Uh, but at the same time, I think that if you want to build something on your own, you need to have, at least that's my point of view, you, you need to have a strong foundation. And the way I see it is, for me personally, working in consulting is being very helpful because I'm acquiring the skills that I need to be able to start something from scratch. So what I'm trying to say is that if I did another job, I wouldn't be able maybe to do something. I would be a little bit lost if I wanted to to create my own startup. So again, this goes back to the first points that we discussed that the job that you end up doing might shape where you'll where you'll go next and I think for me having the privilege to work in for a consultancy or I think finance is a similar case you build this foundation the basics to be able to to have something on on your own and going backwards uh, how do you get a job in consulting and finance through top tier education because like I said before my company uh, and other companies in London, I, I think many of them 
will look at people that studied at certain universities. So I think it's a circle. It's a bit of a limbo, which I don't see. It's I don't I don't think it's gonna change anytime soon unless there's gonna be unless a massive... we reform the education system. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> which I don't think it's gonna happen. But um, yeah, especially because um, in the UK, this is mostly the case uh, for private uh, education in at high school. Yeah. There are much better opportunities if you study at a private uh, school and you do A-levels or GCSEs there than in a public mm-hmm. in a public school. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I also wanted to touch upon creativity. I, I would argue that wealth, coming from wealthy background, actually stalls creativity. It does not encourage people to be creative. If you look at, again, a lot of people in startups in, in the arts industry, they usually come from poor backgrounds. And why, why are they so creative? I think it's mainly because they come from nothing. If you have no resources, you're bored, right? Because you can't really go out and hang out with your friends, spend, spend money because you have nothing. So you're sitting in your room on your laptop or or watching TV, you know, sometimes you invite your friends over, but you can't really do the kinds of activities that rich kids would do. And so I think, you know, if you're bored, your mind sort of starts wandering around and and starts thinking about solving problems, starts thinking about making art, you know, painting or writing songs. So I would actually argue that coming from poor background, you know, uh, is, a, is an advantage in terms of being more creative. What do you think? I think it's true up to a certain extent because if you have nothing to lose, you will try whatever you you think is a great idea, creative idea or as innovative as that is because you can gain nothing, but at the same time you can gain a lot. But on the other hand, if you are... Mm, a girl I think there is lots of from a privileged family I think there is lots of space for creativity because when you look for a job or when you choose your your university degrees at least in Italy most of the girls end up studying or working in creative industries and what I mean creative industries most of the time I refer to fashion uh, for example so if if we mean creativity in that industry, yeah, I would, I would, um, I would say that you can still be creative in when working in fashion if you come from a privileged family. But at the same time, I think that I, I had a friend that had a strong passion for modern art, and he was an investment banker. And I said, "Why don't you do something?" But but he was buying the art; he wasn't creating it, right? Yeah, exactly. But it was so much into creating the art. And I was um, and I was like, why don't you do something like that? And he said, oh, no, because I, I need to be an, an investment banker. So, so he didn't believe in himself. He didn't believe in his skills. No, because his family wouldn't accept. Oh, it would be embarrassing, it would be, actually, it would for him be, to be exactly, an artist. Exactly, exactly. It would be embarrassing. And he said, okay. um, he said to me, yeah, if my if my sister did um, did pursue a career in art, I would be fine with that. Or if my mm-hmm. girlfriend did that, 
and we were okay with that. And I said, why? And he said, yeah, because they are girls, they're going to marry someone that is rich. But if you're a guy, I think it's not accept very well accepted. But even it- my family, my dad would will be the same <laughs> but is it is it more the embarrassment of oh you know my son is is an artist or is it also the fact that the parents didn't believe that he could make money with the art that he would make i think it's both but i think the latter is the stronger this the strong factor mm-hmm. here the driving factor here and also because you have another element that It's about the pressure. What are the, uh, sorry, I meant um, the... Reputation? What, yes, reputation. What people would think about yeah. their person. Mm-hmm. It would be shocking because everyone is doing the same. So if you say, oh, I'm quitting my my finance job because I'm pursuing my, my dream in arts. If you're a guy, they're going to think, what's wrong with you? <laughs> what's wrong with you? And starting from the family and the family wouldn't be okay because of the money element they don't think you're gonna earn enough money but also because maybe uh families friends have their kids that are working finance it's a loop it's a loop that i don't think yeah that i think it's gonna be like this for not forever but it's gonna it's gonna be hard to break this uh stigma Mm -hmm. i'd say but you mentioned a good point reputation again wealthy kids do care about reputation you know they they have families they have history and uh and everyone is looking at them with this you know angle like what is this kid gonna do with their life are they gonna follow in their parents footsteps or are they gonna do something on their own whereas again you know poor kids are less likely to worry about reputation because there's n- no reputation really you know their parents are no one they They can start from scratch. They can fail as much as they want. And so I think, yeah, again, uh, you know, um, the, 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 the ability to fail is, is um, you know, much, much easier to, to um, handle that for, for poor kids than for rich kids because they don't have um, so many people looking at them and, and uh, observing their failures, right? An interesting statistics that I also wanted to mention is that immigrants outperform, you know, natives and we're both immigrants in the UK and and you know we came here you came here earlier than me uh, for for boarding school but I came here when I was 18 or 19 actually and and you know we became friends despite the fact that we didn't share a socioeconomic status so I think you know studying abroad at university is really a good thing because you get out of your bubble and you start interacting with people that are not like you Right. And and I remember my, my first week at university, I I really understood the importance of networking. And so I tried to be friends with everyone. And I found, you know, I, I met this uh, Chinese girl who was really nice and, and she was really ambitious and really proactive at university. And, uh, you know, we, we tried hanging out together. But I remember the first uh, the first time that we hanged out, she Uh, invited me for for brunch and I remember it was this high-end place at Harrods and I spent like 40 pounds paying for one croissant and one coffee and it was like my my weekly budget and then you know we were walking through Harrods and and I felt so poor (laughs) I've never you know I never felt so poor in my life because I saw all these people you know buying all these expensive clothes and and it, it was the first time that I realized okay I 
can't really afford to hang out with this girl because she was on a different level. But again, you know, we became friends because we're both immigrants and we were new to London and and uh, we really connected. And I think it's, again, it's really helpful for, for kids to get out of their bubble and just... Uh, you know, interact with different different kids from 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 a different socioeconomic status, and and just understand their journey, understand their paths, understand uh, their viewpoints. Yeah, I think for me it's a slightly different experience because when I when I moved uh, from boarding school to London, I already had friends from my boarding school so I didn't put much effort to make new friends I still made a few more friends but I feel like I was still living in my bubble where I got out of my bubble where was when I decided to go on exchange in Singapore and I went there alone and I met people from other universities and none of them of the people I used to hang out with were from London so the lifestyle was completely different and I was used to hanging out in more fancy places, less casual, more less informal. And for me, it was initially it was a bit shocking because the way I was fun for me was different from what they meant with the word fun. <laughs> so um, yeah, it was it, it was such an experience at the beginning. But at the same time, it was also the best opportunity that I had to get out of my mm-hmm. my comfort zone and actually try new things. In fact, when I got back to London, it's a stupid thing, but before I was never eating food that was not um, non-Italian <laughs> or yeah. uh, maybe I wouldn't go to a place that didn't look very clean but in the end it yes it was clean it was just very casual you just weren't used to it exactly but then I got back to London after my experience in Singapore I think because of the people that I met that they actually kind of opened a word to me I came back that I was slightly different even though I admit that I still enjoy uh, going to fancy places dressing up but now it's it's a good mixture I also like more casual stuff or now I would go to a super traditional that is far away from fancy Chinese restaurant um, in Bayswater near my house instead of going to Akasan just because I love it and it's not posh at all and you eat a lot but you have a great experience but yeah that's it's it's a good balance but it's good to you know um get out of your comfort zone get out of your bubble with all your friends that come from the same background do the same things you end up going to the same places it's good it's good yeah yeah I think yeah I mean I would I would say I agree and I would say there's you know reason for hope for anyone who is listening uh just you know starting out their careers or applying to universities you know, a child who is struggling and, and, and comes from a poor background can be the odds and, and become a high-achieving adult. It's definitely possible we're all born with some kind of privilege, whether we realize it or not. And it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, money. Uh, you know, we're all born in, in a certain sex, right? We are male or female. And, 
and we're all born in, in, in a certain country. And that's a privilege on its own. And, uh, you know, we, we have to work hard to, to make it, but I think uh, the chances are always there. So, so yeah, coming from a poor background does not necessarily determine a child's economic destiny. And actually, I would say that students from poor backgrounds who show uh, academic promise have actually higher odds of success because they try so much harder. Uh, and particularly if they have good scores in, in sciences and in maths. And um, so I think what, what's the takeaway? What do we need to do to achieve equal access uh, of opportunity? I think we have to expand academic interventions that, that start early on. We need schools to support kids that are smart really from day one when they start kindergarten. We need to nurture them. We need to open the door for them and uh, provide them with the books and the resources that really allows them to develop their skills and and continue beyond high school. We also need to improve and expand counseling, you know, high school counseling, so that more students have the information and the social support that they need to transition from high school to to college education. And and again, we need to integrate some kind of career exploration into the advising process so that, you know, kids in high school can really understand what are their options, right? They, they, they can understand that they can achieve more than, than their parents and really break the ceiling. And um, I want to end w- with this quote uh, that, that it comes from a book that I recently read, Born the Crime, um, by Trevor Noah. He said, uh, quote, we tell people to follow their dreams, uh, but you can only dream of what you can imagine. And depending on where you come from, your imagination can be quite limited, end quote. Um, and again, that shows we have to uh, open the minds of, of people who, who you know, uh, come from, from different backgrounds and really help them understand that they can do whatever they want to do. So yeah, that's, uh, I guess we, we will close there. Uh, thank you so much, Mariana, for coming. Uh, it was a great, great conversation. Likewise. Um, thank you very much for having me. Yeah. Um, looking forward to next episodes with you. Thank you for listening to this discussion. If you enjoyed it, make sure to follow the podcast to hear about new episodes. You can also find me on Instagram or Twitter under Think with Lucy. Let's highlight the gray area that is often overlooked. Let's show nuance. Let's think.